Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, Danielle Bezalow. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, join my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, private sessions with yours truly, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of my favorite brands at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Excitement, intimacy, anticipation, contentment. Uberlube lets you feel all the things you want to feel when it comes to sex with yourself and with a partner. It makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Recommended by leading doctors, Uberlube is body-friendly, free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. Plus, Uberlube is latex compatible, so it's safe, effective, and pleasurable to use with condoms. Try Uberlube now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. When it comes to anal sex, what comes to mind? If you're a beginner like so many of us out there, maybe you feel scared, unsure, or just plain uneducated. Future Method can help with that. Founded by a doctor and anal sex expert, Future Method develops science-backed products and non-judgmental doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog started by the gay community and now for everyone that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Finally, we can travel again. If you're like me, I bet you want a little pleasure while you're away, but can't fit your entire sex toy collection in your carry-on, huh? Say hello to the Magic Wand Mini. Born into such a famous family, this little wand has quite a reputation to uphold. Challenge accepted. Offering big power, multiple speeds, and unsurpassed quality, the full-featured Magic Wand Mini is more than simply a smaller sibling. It's here to create a legacy all its own. Want to win a Magic Wand Mini for your next trip or staycation? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to learn more. In a world that constantly encourages you to change, it's bold to just be yourself. Sexual expression and satisfaction are different for everybody, so rather than conforming to others, focus on falling in love with who you are. Lion's Den sources the very best products to help you find what you like and help you feel confident expressing your sexual desires. You can get 15% off in-store and online using code sexedwithdb at lionsden.com to begin exploring everything about yourself. Follow them on social at Lion's Den Adult on Instagram and TikTok. Understanding how to love ourselves and our bodies can take practice, time, and energy. Freya believes that it's really important to invest in loving the body you're in, and pleasure plays a huge part in that. I know it does for me. When I'm able to access my pleasure, I'm able to feel and see my body in a whole new way. My pleasure empowers me. That's why I love Freya. It's more than a razor and a vibe. It's a movement to practice loving ourselves with intention. For those who haven't tried a vibrator, this is a great first-timer product to venture into and explore your own pleasure. Learn more about Freya and their self-love movement at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb. Kimberly and Brittany, hello, good morning, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. hello. Thanks for having us. You know, second time's a charm. Um, you know, maybe we can make this uh, a yearly or, uh, you know, every other yearly tradition Hopefully right. the next time you all come on, there won't be, you know, a sickness that one of us has or COVID right. in the air as much. 
no promises, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll kind of see. Um, but yeah, I really think you two are so awesome. And ever since you know I first met you in that one Columbia workshop so many years ago, I've been. I know a lot of years ago, maybe like what, four, three, who knows at this point, uh, I have been very lucky to learn from you. And so this is our second Sex Ed with DB episode together. Uh, and for those listening who haven't listened to the first one, uh, there's a lot of content for you to catch up on listener, but that's fine. We can start here. Uh, why don't y'all introduce yourselves and talk about your background and work? Cool. Um, so for the people listening, my name is Kimberly. I am one of the co-founders of Kimberdiv, and my pronouns are her, she. And I'm Brittany, um, the other co-founder of Kimberdiv, and my pronouns are her, she. Yeah. So together, Brittany and I, we co-founded Kimberdiv, which is the unapologetic sexual wellness platform reimagining the health and well-being of Black women and girls. And that's been the crux of our work for how long have you been working together now, Brittany? Ten plus, carry the one, divide by two years. <laughs> well, 12, 12 years now. 12 years. So, like, depending on how, how where you've met us in our 12 plus years of working together, you might have met us at conferences doing sex education related work, or you might have met us on the internet at a workshop that we might have collabed with a, a organization or a brand. Um, but now we're really moving into sort of like the health space, like really trying to integrate ourselves in that space because we recognize from our work that Black women need and deserve a space for their sexual wellness. And that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of briefly mentioned, you all were on the podcast in June 2020, which was a very beginning of us being scared shitless in our homes and worried and afraid. And, you know, in some ways we still are. There are a lot of things that are still happening in the world that are uh, worth being scared shitless. But, uh, you know, we have a little bit more information. Uh, Many of us who, you know, I have on the podcast are vaxxed and boosted and kind of know, you know, a little bit more about the risks of kind of what what this is. But uh, as I imagine for you all, since it, it is very much like this for me, the past year and a half has been work, work, work. Like I, you know, started doing this full time, uh, like September of, uh, 2021. So a little over a year and a half ago, been, you know, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Watching Uh, you grow has been so amazing. Beautiful. Seriously. I remember when I scrolled on my TikTok one day and I saw one of your videos and I was like, whoa, what? (laughs) Like, I'm so proud. But like, yes, sorry. That's very, that's very, no, I really appreciate it. That's very sweet. Um, I love that. It, (laughs) It is a big, a big thing to, you know, to celebrate. And similarly for you all, you know, last I saw you were 102% 102% funded with the I Fund Women campaign. Maybe you're, you know, 110 by now, who knows, uh, and beyond. But major congratulations. Uh, you know, I want to kind of hear, like, what content are you working on? What have you been up to in the past, like, year and a half? Um, what is the I Fund Women campaign? What is that project? For sure. Um, so we decided, um, actually, I was like, rewind. At the end of 20, Oh, what year is it? Where okay, am I? In 2020, <laughs> I feel like. In 2020, December 2020. Um, so we had applied for um, Caress. Uh, Caress um, had partnered with iPhone Women for a program called the iPhone Dreams Reality um, sort of program. And it was to support women of color entrepreneurs and crowdfunding. 
And interesting enough, when we applied, I, I think that there were, we're in a moment where we were like going for everything. Like we, we realized that we really wanted to put, um, invest more into Kimberdiv. And prior to 2020, um, we had completely bootstrapped Kimberdiv. So all of the money that we've ever used to do anything came right out of Kim and I's pocket. We never, ever had raised money of any sort, took a loan or any kind of outside capital. Uh, and so we were starting to get money from outside. Um, and in 2019, we got a grant from Coco Kind. And that was to actually do in-person events. And it was at the end of 2019. And then 2020 happened and in-person events weren't going to be a thing. Yeah. So it was, you know, so we were going after a lot of things. And so we applied to this, um, we applied to this fund and we got it. But then it was like, oh, we have to crowdfund. But what are we crowd? <laughs> what are we crowdfunding what for? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, right. And so you know, Kim and I really like thought about like sort of the ideas that we had been sitting on, um, really thinking about building this sort of space, a digital platform, or um, and, and hopefully one day in a real life platform for Black women and our sexual wellness. Um, nothing of the sort sort of exists. There are a lot of pockets and a lot of places where people are sort of moving that work, but a uh, home where Black women can come and get information. Um, that is, you know, culturally congruent, that really speaks to our needs, um, our histories, the things that have happened to us. Um, Black women, especially in the U.S., have a very specific reproductive and sexual history um, that is tied to, like, how this world is sort of set up and the world that we know. And we didn't see that, like, very represented anywhere. And so we wanted to be able to speak to that. And not also just not speak to the the sort of damage-centered stuff. We wanted to speak to the pleasure and the joy. Uh, and so we decided that we were going to create that. Um, and that's when iFund was this opportunity to like crowdfund and raise our fund. First round of funding came to came to us. So it was kind of like cosmic, you know. We were all stuck in our house, you know. <laughs> um, there was lots of things happening like in the world, uh, and we decided that we were going to raise money um, for this for this platform we were dreaming of. And so we we started fundraising um, in the fall of 2021. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes, because years are a thing. Uh -huh. um, and I think, you know, with it, we, we met our goal within like three months. It was a lot of work. Like crowdfunding is an extremely, like it builds character sure, <laughs> from, sure. the, from the depth of your soul. It's not as easy as like, you know, people put up GoFundMes and like, oh, okay, here's this really terrible thing that's happening and people show support, but asking people to fund your dreams especially something you cannot see yet, like it doesn't exist. <laughs> so it's like, here's a thing that we want you to invest in, but it's not real. Um, that was our that was our journey. And so we we raised money for the first ever sort of digital platform um, for Black women to engage with in their sexual health um, and sexual education and care um, and to digital sort of virtual companion. And we're building that out now. And so what we didn't know is that like, oh yeah, like it's not going to happen in, you know, two months or three months. For four months even um and so we're we're building and you know building a plane while flying it right. <laughs> at the same time um and still trying to keep Kimberative as a like a business operation you know going while we build this entire platform um for the future incredible also when you said when years are a thing i just realized june 2020 was not a year and a half ago <laughs> that was <laughs> right i was like where am i <laughs> you literally said what year is it and i was like wait a minute <laughs> now okay to be clear that was two and a half years ago like very yeah. much confusing uh so let me just correct myself there <laughs> but okay okay so it's so quite a bit of time but at the same time you know if you're raising money in the fall of 2021 
at the time, I'm sure there was a lot of questions around like, okay, is this going to be funded? Like, if it's not, then what do we do for our business? Do we go back to business as usual? Are we planning something else? And I'm sure when you put all that time and effort and energy into marketing and collaborations and, you know, you all have the most beautiful graphics ever. Like you take a lot <laughs> of time and effort to to create and mold these things. And so I'm sure it was just the best feeling when it was funded in a pretty short amount of time, right? Oh my God. I remember I was at home and Brittany called me and was like, we did it. And I was like, did what? Because I was just <laughs> like in my zone doing what I was doing. She was like, we did it. Check iPhone. And I remember just like screaming <laughs> because like Brittany says, like th this was such an exercise of just really just one trusting each other and trusting in our, in our dreams for what we want to do for black women, because it's not that easy to just be like, Hey, would you mind donating money towards this dream that I'm creating? Like you said, there's nothing tangible, something that's going to be existence in the future. Like, do you believe in me enough? And what I'm creating enough to really show me that. And it was just the amount of support we got from friends, family, other people that just really just surprised us, really just showed us that there is a need for what we're trying to build. And that just validated us throughout the process. Because there were days it's just like, you know, are we a little bit too ambitious here? Like, <laughs> you know, like, are you sure? But I think from having like the coaching on iPhone Woman and just knowing that like there's a reason why we can't go to sleep at night peacefully because we, this is something that is in our minds and we think about it constantly so just do it and now that we can reflect back on it it's like can't say I would do it again <laughs> just kidding <laughs> can't confirm I can't confirm um but just knowing that like wow the seeds have been planted for Kimberly to grow into what we know it will be so that's what's most exciting I think in the reflection of that period of time Absolutely. I mean, I can't, I can't wait to see like how that shapes up and just like what the, you know, what the product looks like, like what the collaborations are going to look like, because I do, you know, I think especially in the past two and a half years, you know, we have definitely leaned on each other and other influencers and organizations and individuals to really like collaborate and connect on what we're trying to do, which leads me to this next collab that I saw on y'all's profile with YouTube an influencer named Haley Sani, Sani mm -hmm. and the American Academy of Pediatrics for Day of the Girl. Like clearly there was like multiple things going on here. Um, and I, this was like a really, really beautifully shot piece. Um, and I'm just curious if you can share for the listeners, like what was this collab? What topics did you talk about? Um, and what were like some kind of new things maybe that came up for you in working with all of these different groups? Yeah, that definitely was a, um, that was a learning, it was, it was a season, like, that was, that was also during the time when we were crowdfunding, so we were, I, like, we shot our crowdfunding video, like, like a week before, like a, a week before oh, wow. we shot with Google, and so it was, like, production time, mm -hmm. um, and so, um, Google reached out, um, and they were looking for folks that were advocates, um, and basically supporting that the did work like girl I guess girl superheroes or people that really like stand for girls in, in their work and I think that I've been sort of branded to be sort of that person in the in, in the world um especially in the work that we do at Kimberative um focusing on black girls and um the um, the American Academy of Pediatrics was a partner and they partnered with different influencers so different YouTube influencers to have conversations that were relevant to girls lives um today 
And so we had the pleasure of doing the, the sexual health um, conversation. And, you know, even though the video is like, I don't know, it's like 20 minutes or 15 minutes. It was like a whole day. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, a whole day. It's a whole, it's a whole different side of production. There's a whole bunch of things that didn't, you know, we didn't get to, but really wanted to talk um, about young people and, you know, curiosities that they have around sex or, you know, sexual health information, um, things that, you know, you would, you, I think you can Google. I know that TikTok is like the number one place where young folks are looking for information um, and, and, and getting information. But I think it's also really great to have different voices at the table. And so what was beautiful about that partnership is you have like an educator, like person like me who wears that hat you have a physician and then you have like an influencer and all of our voices are sort of together um, showing that there are like lots of people that are like rooting for your, for your success, right? Your pleasure, your, your joy, your health, your safety. Um, and so we covered the, we covered everything, contraception. I mean, my main thing was like, I, I, I watched it recently around masturbation and I was like, I'm going to say the thing that no parent wants to say, like, you should masturbate. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. And then they made the graphic out of it. And I was like, whoa. I thought that was going to get Changing tough. lives there. I mean, Love they, that. people don't hear that enough. That's so true. And I mean, these are things that, I mean, we say all the time in workshops, but like, you know, nobody's recording that. Like, it doesn't right. end up on YouTube. <laughs> the internet. Like, right. It doesn't end up on the internet. Like, no one right. can like go incite me, you know? And so... Um, I think that that was super interesting, but also really powerful. I think we're moving to a place where, you know, talking about sex um, looks very different. And I know, I mean, I know this for you, like censorship is also a really big thing. And so what felt really important was that we were creating this like content and this work for Day of the Girl. We were saying sex. They were putting, you know, drawing. They were like, there's a point when I was like, I'm a condom queen. And they like put these things out there. Um, and that felt very important, um, given the, I think, the, the sort of state that we're in when we're talking about sexuality and sex. And um, there's so much information out there. Not all of it is accurate. Right. Uh, and so being able to be in contribution in that way. Um, and then also just to be a black sex educator. You know, they could have chose a lot of people to do that, um, to do that work. And I think that it's important for um, black girls in particular to see black women talk about sexuality and sexual health. Um, because there is so much stigma and there's so much shame and there's so much um, a historical sort of arc of people stigmatizing Black women's bodies and telling us how we can or cannot be sexual. And so for me to be the person that's kind of giving this information in a way that feels empowering and like not shameful, I, I felt like that was a, an important role to play. And so really grateful to Google and folks for reaching out and um, having that partnership with us. And now it's on the internet. So Hell yeah. Kids to masturbate. Love that for us. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it's a really big deal having like a really big company like Google reach out because I feel like especially at least for me in my circles of like friends and family and, you know, me sharing like, oh, yeah, like I'm doing this full time now. And like I imagine that it it would be really powerful to be like, oh, yeah, Google reached out to me actually. Like that's how Mm -hmm. much that – this is needed. And Mm -hmm. I feel like even that, like just saying that can shift people's perspectives around like the necessity of these conversations be like, wow, the world is shifting a little bit and changing and what we're willing to really talk about. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Want to win your very own Magic Wand Mini? If so, keep on listening. 
Ooh, it's kind of fun to have your attention. Okay, but let's get into it. Magic Wand, aka the best-selling wand vibrator of all time, has partnered with Sex Ed with DB to give some magic wands away to some lucky winners. How can you participate and enter to win? We want to hear your best magic wand story. Maybe something funny or silly comes to mind. Maybe the magic wand unlocked a world of pleasure for you like it did for me. Whatever it is, we want to hear your story. Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand to learn more and see how you could win your very own magic wand mini. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for Uber Lube. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of Uber Lube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. When it comes to sex, most of us have never had access to proper education, especially when it comes to the butt. This means both beginners and experienced players have had to turn to porn, friends, or Reddit to figure out how to properly prepare, play, and care for our butts. This doesn't sound safe now, does it? That's where Future Method comes in. Future Method was founded by a doctor to help people have informed, healthy, amazing sex, because we should feel good in our skin and when we're playing with our partners. If you want to learn more about how to bottom safely, go to futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off their amazing products. Five reasons you will masturbate more with Freya. Number one, masturbation increases the release of endorphins, which decreases stress, tension, and depression. Number two, masturbation can help you sleep better. Number three, masturbating can help strengthen and tone your pelvic floor. Number four, masturbation can lessen period cramps. Number five, masturbation can empower you to know your body better and know what feels good. Freya is the innovative premium razor and vibrator in one that gives you an amazing shave and the best clitoral workout ever. Use code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your Freya. And for a limited time, you can enter to buy one Freya and get one for your bestie for free. Enter to win at highfreya.com slash sexedwithdb now. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. Let me tell you about one of my favorite sex toy shops out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you all about them. Lion's Den first opened its retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they have grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building its reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff. Their staff are also sexual wellness experts who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being, and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They're simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now.
Wow. Well, I love talking like sex ed business with you guys, as you know, but, um, you know, that's, that's the first part of our combo. But uh, a majority of today's interview really is around, you know, reproductive health and reproductive justice. I think, like, as I mentioned in the beginning of this interview today, when I first learned of you all, I was in a club at, you know, at Columbia getting my master's of public health. Um, and at the time I took a workshop and was a participant from you all. And so it was really awesome to see how you taught about reproductive justice, what that, you know, as you mentioned, historical arc timeline, uh, you know, atrocities that were inflicted upon black women in particular and other women of color, um, were like, and I think it was really eye opening for me as someone who was in that position theoretically should have been learning about this from professors, from other people there, right? Like there's there's a whole other conversation we can have around like you all training the professors. And I'm sure that's a whole other thing. I'm sure you've done that. I'm sure you will continue to do that, all these things. But I think today we're really looking to kind of up our game, so to speak, and really focus on like a repro health, repro justice 102 uh, kind of information. You know, I'm curious what topics and themes are really important here? Like what history is really critical to cover in a 102 kind of workshop? Um, and then what are some, you know, tools and resources that you really leave folks with at the end? And of course, we're doing an abridged version here. We we don't have a whole, uh, you know, 90 minutes at, at uh, you know, <laughs> at, at the ready. Yeah. But I think, you know, figuring out the TED Talk version of something like this is is really awesome to be able to listen to. Cool, cool. So we'll give you like the the Twitter the Twitter bio version of it, right? Yes, <laughs> 140 characters. Um, so so as you remember in like RJ 101, we talked a lot about <clears throat> introducing you to the productive justice framework. So you might remember that activity we did where you sort of went through a timeline, right? And you really immerse yourself in the sort of the his the history of the RJ movement. RJ 102 takes it a little bit step further and allows us to explore the like the ways that systems of oppression impact our experiences of reproductive justice and health. So we talk about, I think there's like five or six strategies that we really hone in on. And I think that's where people really get to see themselves in the movement because it's like, wow, I recognize how reproductive justice overlaps with immigration, how it overlaps with mass incarceration, how it overlaps with economic health, like all, I'm sorry, economics, it overlaps with so many different things. I think that's what people really get to see, like, okay, I understand this movement in time, but like, now I can see myself in it and see how I can do something about it. So that's sort of the difference between those two. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it can't go, now that we know the time and the last time we talked, it was 2020, um, it can't go without, you know, we had Roe on the books, right? We had a sort of constitutional um, right to abortion in the United States, which it, it feels wild to say, you know, January 22nd is, I don't know, oh man, did I mess up the dates when this comes out? Whatever. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming or it already came, either one. Or it already came um, where we would we would have celebrated the anniversary um, of Roe and that's no longer the case, right? So um, the fact that we don't have sort of a constitutional right to abortion in the United States um, is so different than the conversation we were having in 2020. Um, and, and and perhaps like what we get to is like, there's a history of reproductive oppression, as Kim said, right? And, then we, and we know that history. And then I think we sort of left it there. And I say we, I'm talking about like a global sort of idea of like, yes, we have a constitutional right to abortion. And then we had all those history. And without remembering that history, that disenfranchisement, I think we got to a place where 
we were settling for the individual right to an abortion. We were settling for a place where, you know, Roe, we say Roe is the floor, Roe is the, the, the very bottom. Um, and people were not, you know, like people are outraged now um, and like people are having extreme um, experiences of not being able to access abortion. But that was the case years ago in many places. And those people were completely ignored. Um, those people weren't taken seriously because it's like we just have to fight for Roe. We have to fight for the individual right to an abortion uh, when people were experiencing serious disenfranchisement around the issue to begin with. So. I think now we have a chance to start over. We have like we have nothing. We have bare bones. You know, we really get to think about how race, class, gender, sexuality, um, immigration status, age all impact how people access sexual and reproductive health care in a way that really like goes for it. Like reproductive justice is like it goes for it. It goes all the way there. It's not just like halfway there. Some people get it. Some people don't. Um, and that's always been the case, right? As soon as we got, as soon as Bro came, we got the Hyde Amendment. Um, and so now we have a place, a, a starting over place. And I think that that's the conversation we're having now with, you know, what is the Reproductive Justice 102 is like, it's it's from the very beginning. We're starting at the roots. It's very radical in the sense that like, we have to start from the very beginning. And so critical issues become really thinking about how people access any kind of sexual reproductive health care. I also think like, you know, we're having this conversation about abortion, but we also should have this conversation about contraception. And we also should have this conversation about, you know, HIV testing and STI testing, um, ability to get, you know, screenings. Like, none of this is off the table. Like, all of this is on the table right now. Like, you know. Anything goes. Everything goes. Like, you know, and so on one side, the FDA is like, yes, we can um, have, um, we're able to provide, you have bigger pharmacies able to provide an abortion pill, which I don't know that we thought we would have ever been able to see. And at the same time, like, there's still going to be such huge, like, um, places where there are the most abortion restrictions is also the largest maternal health disparities, right? Like, um, death and dying, um, especially for folks of color, Black women. And so they, we have, all of it <laughs> is up for grabs at this moment. Uh, and I think that that's what a, a 102 is asking of us. Like, what what are these huge conversations we have to we have to have them all at the same time? We can't have one without the other. Yeah, it's almost like the 101 is like here's the information, and the 102 is like, and now what? Right. And then I really like this idea of like really being able to start from scratch in a way of being able to like, hey, like everyone who thinks that this is a problem, let's talk about why this has been a problem for a really long time and like how we can get you on board to fight for not just you and how it affects you and your family, but for everybody. And like, that's really what reproductive justice stands for. It's like, how can we get everybody, you know, regardless of race, class, gender, uh, ability, immigration status, the ability to decide when, if they do want a parent, how they want a parent, you know, if they don't want a parent, there are all these things that kind of go under this umbrella and essentially getting them all the tools and information and resources for them to make the happy, healthy decisions for themselves and for their families. Um, and I think that that's, that is an opportunity for us to have deeper conversations with people who are quote unquote on our team, right? I think there's a lot of conversation around like, who are the most dangerous people in the movement? And, you know, we can name that it's like people who think that they are on our side when in reality they're not really willing to go there, like where as deep as they need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'm curious in terms of this, you know, 102 workshop that you all lead for, you know, for women, for professionals, for people at work, uh, people in public health spaces and medical spaces, what are folks most surprised by when it comes to some of the information that you share? Maybe what like kind of causes the most stir or most like follow-up questions from people? Yeah, I think when we give like tangible examples of how we can disrupt strategies of uh, reproductive oppression, people get like aha moments. Like we talked about an example where in certain parts of the country, there are programs where there is money given to young families or is support that are given to young families to support them when they're navigating parenthood. What would that look like if we provided that for the most marginalized communities all around the nation, right? Like we, we begin to think that way. And I think people see examples that's like, oh, wow, we should just create that. It, it really invites you to consider like, what do I do in my day to day? Am I, a, am I a health educator at my school? Okay, have I ever considered talking to young people about pleasure, masturbation, abortion? Now I'm really starting to realize how I um, can show up differently post this workshop. Now that I'm thinking about how I can center my work in this movement. So that's really what the difference there too is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, getting people to think about how we all can like participate in, in getting to reproductive freedom essentially is is an aha moment like if you're a basketball coach you should be prepared to talk about plan b i'm just saying you should you just should like it's supposed to be a part of your skill set um, could you draw the dots could you draw the line there for folks from like a basketball coach to <laughs> like the opportunity to talk about plan b for for students on their team absolutely um, so, I mean, young people, I think, you know, I, I once like interviewed young people and asked them about like why when I was when I was in getting my public health degree, like what were some of the largest barriers to like accessing sexual and reproductive health care? And they were like supportive adults. Like that was hands down. They were like, we just don't have adults that support us. And it was I was like, but you, you know, you go to the summer camp, you got a basketball coach. And they were like, yeah, but they don't talk to us about this. And the idea that there had to be like a one particular person, which I've played in many people's lives my entire life. Like I've been the person who gets the DM in the middle of the night, like something's not right, Brittany. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, that's just me. But imagine right. if there were like hundreds of me's, right? That like I, that wasn't just put on one particular person. So yeah, a basketball coach. A basketball coach is a person who mentors. I've seen basketball coaches joke about like, oh, you got a girlfriend? Oh, you got a boyfriend? They can have those conversations. They talk to you about your what? future all the time, right? Like all your future. They're talking about, you know, scouting, going to college, what teams you need to play. They, they're on top of you for your grades. Why not healthy and aspect? They're not mm. going to let you play on a sprained ankle um, because that's a health thing. They're not going to let you, like, you, you tore your ACL. They're going to be like, please go sit down or talk to your parents about the doctor. Your, your young person is engaging in sexual activity. Hello. <laughs> like, plan B is available for you. You know, condoms are available. I think that when adults become that asset, not because they are a sex educator or not because they're the health person, but because they are an adult. And they are like really invested in having young people lead sexually healthy lives, then we will be in a different world, right? And so like that's like one piece. Like that's the basketball coach knowing about plan B, like knowing how to advise a young person about plan B. And everyone always wants to get into the tangles of like, well, is it legally? I'm like, obviously the legal legal stuff is never on our side, right? Right mm. now, people are we have a repro legal line, shout out to if when how and the repro legal line where people 
call to like get support and know if they're in a gray or white or black area when it comes to supporting someone with an abortion. So there's always going to be legalness is not going to do anything for us. It's not we I mean, I'm pretty sure you ask your friends about money questions all the time. You're not like, well, according to you, you're not a tax accountant. But can I ask you about this question? Right. It's really interesting when people evoke the like, oh, my God, but where's the legal area? It's like it's not useful here. Um, And so like people ask that all the time, like legally, I don't know. I'm like, legally, you give advice to young people all the time that I don't know that's legally proper. (laughs) Like, why is this coming um, up now? Right. Why is it coming up right now? You and know, it speaks more to how you it. feel about talking to a young person about sex than anything else. So, exactly. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so I think that, like, you know, I think that it's important to have, like, these important individuals are gatekeepers in our community. And it's really important for us to, like, have those conversations and be able to, like, you know, be, be forthright about it, right? Like, I remember going, you know, I went back home to the South for Thanksgiving this, this year, and I had to make a decision about, telling my family what I do like I was like oh who am I going to be am I going to be a researcher am I going to be an entrepreneur I want to be a business owner or am I going to be a reproductive justice activist that like every day goes hard in the paint for people to be able to live autonomous lives and I did and we had a conversation about abortion and it was great and I was like wow I survived that (laughs) you know I'm proud Um, that's great but that's because that's who I chose to be you know and I wasn't like it was intentional Right. I wasn't just one person with my work and this other person with my family. Um, and I think the same thing exists with the basketball coach. Like you, you can also be the person that is fully going to support young people. But I think that those are the things that are like mind blowing to people like, oh, I could be that person or, um, you know, like th- there's just so many ways that we can break down. It doesn't always have to be. Yes, we're up against a huge legal fight all the time. We're up against a medical system that is fragmented in so many ways and the power of reproductive justice as an organizing tool means that we move individuals together right and we have some type of collective resistance there's something that you could be doing right to harness the power to change the actual thing that's like messing us all up um and you don't have to wait or sort of put our fate like we said in the legal system it doesn't lie there um that's not going to be helpful to us so i think that that's like a balloon (laughs) Right, like I don't have to do it the way that, you know, I did it before. I can do things differently. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree with like the idea of ensuring and I we just I just had another interview earlier uh that's coming out um with two women who run the puberty podcast and we talked all about this, you know, this idea of how protective it is. It's a protective factor to have adults in young people's lives even if it's not your parents, if it's an aunt, if it's somebody who's an older cousin, you know, a basketball coach, um, someone, if you go to church and you really like believe in the person who's like leading your group, like whatever your thing is, it's protective and research shows that it's really wonderful and has positive impacts for young people to feel like they can trust somebody to talk about those important topics with, to feel like they're believed when it comes to them talking about certain issues that they're having or, you know, if they're experiencing something that's challenging in their lives to feel that support from another person and to be able, it would be great to be able to go up to your male basketball coach. If I was a woman, I'm in my high school basketball team, be like, Hey coach, can you, do you have extra condoms like in, in your basket? Like that would be ideal scenario, right? Is like everyone's involved in all aspects of this. Right. Every adult should be basketball. Like that's really what the goal should be. 
Oh, that's a great bumper sticker. Every adult should be askable. Um, that's that's very and Amaze, which is an awesome organization through Advocates for Youth. They have a podcast, and it's I think it's becoming an askable parent. I think that's what their whole thing is about: is like how do we encourage parents and people who work with young people or have young people in their lives to be more open? Because I think like even us, it's like who, who can predict how they're going to react when a young person in the moment asks us something. There's a lot of things that are affecting our immediate reactions and it's practice to be mm-hmm. able to kind of like take a deep breath and like be kind in your tone and open and non-judgmental. It's like active things that we need to participate in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you spoke a little bit about the timeline, like, you know, this historical timeline. I think like at least what we learn from our listeners is that they really enjoy like pieces of education and information that they might not have learned otherwise than, you know, listening to experts who we have on the podcast. Are there parts of this historical timeline when it comes to reproductive justice that you like to share that's really critical for, you know, you can't leave the workshop without talking a little bit about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I know that's big ass because the timeline is a whole big time. It's forever. It's many years. Uh, but I'm wondering, you know, whether that be in a in the current, you know, within the past 20 years that folks just aren't really aware that something is happening or whether that's, you know, from the from the very beginning where they just didn't really realize that this is where something started. I mean, I mean, we could talk about this for 20 minutes, but I think there's so many parts of the timeline. Maybe we can choose like parts of the timeline, okay, that we think like resonate with us personally that like I personally like for for me it's always I don't know word I'm looking for but it's always just like a a deep reminder of we're still active in our timeline like in 10 Mm. 20 years there will be a point in the timeline that we might reflect on what just happened last year right like there's a new slide unfortunately to add to Mm. the timeline exercise but I think in us creating that workshop doing the deep dive and seeing the ways that like enslaved people resisted and adding that to the timeline, I think is important for me to ground myself in. Like we've been doing this work before there was a word for it, right? We've mm-hmm. been doing this work to resist before there was all these frameworks and things. So I think knowing that it's it's always in us to fight systems of oppression is important for me to let people know. Like it started <laughs> way before you thought, right? Um, and there mm-hmm. are ways for you to join too. I think for me, I just finished... Um... I just finished writing like a review on um, or like a paper a lit review um, on DJ Cooper Owens medical bondage. Uh, and so it's a book that talks about the American gynecology system and its connections to a system of plantation um, or the transatlantic slave trade. And I know when we do the timeline, you know, we start the, essentially where we start in the 1600s in the U S and the critical piece for us, not just because we do work with Black women, but really for all folks to know at least how American gynecology was built, was everything that we know, everything we know is because of, um, at least in America, American gynecologists used enslaved women um, to develop sort of the tools and the practices that we now use today. Also, not only did they use um, African-American women, they also experimented on Irish women. Um, in Catholic hospitals later on. And so the system, like they literally built the profession, like they would experiment on African-American women and publish in journals and then experiment. Like, so everything we know about how medical education or medical scientific things exist, like started there. Um, And I think 
for me, when I was reading this book, what I was thinking about, like three young women in particular, Anarka, Betsy, and Lucy, what Deidre Cooper Owens sort of interjects is, is that they weren't just experimented on. They also were, um, they were also intellectual beings because they not only were, their bodies were being used, but they also served as nurses. So when they weren't being cut <laughs> open, they were healing each other and they were assisting in those surgeries. Um, and Jay Marion Sims, the the one of the famous people that we know, but not the only people we know, he ha- he had enslaved people for this purpose, and he would lease he would lease slaves for for this purpose. So he would take them from other owners, experiment on them, do surgery on them. Um, in fact, at some point, his uh, his surgeries were failing so badly, his entire medical crew, so he had white like med students or practitioners working, they all quit. They all left him. And so then he had to get <laughs> enslaved people to work for him because all of his white folks quit. Um, and so he had a whole system running. And I think what's important about that is like, not only were the, their bodies used in science, but their actual labor, right? So it's not like that the, like, you know, white men built sort of American gynecology. Black women built the actual American gynecology right alongside them. Um, not just with their flesh, right? But with also their intellectual capabilities. So they were healing themselves while they were being experimented on. And and that just really sticks with me, knowing that like I'm in New York right now, Jay Marion Sims built the first um, women's hospital in New York City. And hopefully one day we will build an, a, another clinic to replace that um, very soon. Uh, but that, that like imagery of like um, sort of this foundation and, and the reason why sort of American gynecology also had its, if you put the parallels together, um, at some point, the transatlantic slave trade became illegal. It became illegal to take people from where I just came from, from Africa, and bring them here. So you had to figure out how to get people to reproduce and stay healthy while reproducing. So you needed a field of medicine to support you in making sure that people could continue to have babies, right? And so, like, even that kind of, like, really fucked up science, <laughs> right, for that purpose of, like, we actually need to, like, keep this thing going so we can keep building wealth um completely messed up so anyway i recommend that everyone read Deidre cooper owens but i I think that it adds to an important sort of historical um analysis i think she she does really great archival work in um unearthing that um and those stories and those tales but i really do think about sort of like the the creation of sort of how we know what we know like how would we how we know what we know now and how that doesn't go away. So when people are like, people are being treated badly in the medical system, it literally built the tools. <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's in the fabric, you know, it's in the fabric. Um, so I think about that a lot. And I think about, um, and I think about, you know, fast forward to recently, um, I think 2020 when J. Marion Sims statue was removed, right? Because of lots of advocacy in Central Park. Um, and so everyone all of a sudden was like, wait a minute. Like, right. obviously, I'm sure this has been coming up for years and years and years and years. People have been saying for years and years. So we're going to take them down. And um, Michelle Browder in Alabama, actually, um, in Alabama, um, has an entire series dedicated to Lucy, Betsy and Anarka. And she bought J. Marion Sims Clinic in Alabama. Wow. Um, and they're repurposing it. Um, to support in the training of black birth workers and medical folks and so like amazing things are happening like people reclaiming are reclaiming, <laughs> reclaiming 
um, resisting in such amazing ways. And as Kim said, like, there's always resistance. Like, no one actually took this laying down. Um, and so I think that that's, like, for me, like, that is the part. Um, and obviously, it happened to Indigenous folks. It happened to lots of people, um, this sort of reproductive injustice. And it keeps happening, like, day to day. And I think about, like, um, sterilization in California prisons. Um, and the the recent movement around that and that's like you know that's in 2010 12 14 that's not quite way recent. back in the day that's quite recent um and so what's sad is like you just will keep finding you know reproductive injustice and I think that that's part of the that's part of the injustice that like it just keeps happening uh, if we don't know about it um but those are things that stick out to me I, I, I can't unsee that Totally. Yeah. I really appreciate you going into depth about that. And I think it's really critical to name that, you know, it's equally as important to share like the hardships and the challenges as it is to talk about the successes, the pleasure, the happiness. Because I think like when we relegate one group's experience to just like, oh, here are all like the really terrible things that you need to know and and put a period at the end of that sentence without saying, and here's like all the wonderful beautiful things that we need to celebrate in ourselves, mm-hmm. in our communities, in our bodies, we're doing an injustice by not including all of the positives. And so I know by reading in depth about y'all's workshops on your website, which is beautiful and I love it, uh, <laughs> is that you, t- you do talk a lot about pleasure and how to find beauty in your body and in your skin and in your curls. And like there are all these intentional ways that you kind of talk about these topics with young black women in particular. And I'm wondering if you can share like a bit about like, why do you enjoy doing it? And what are some enjoyable parts about it? And what are some themes that really come up during those workshops to get folks comfortable with like the more pleasurable parts of being themselves? Yeah, I mean, I once upon a time used to be a teenager, right? Many, many moons ago. (laughs) I was a young person many, many moons ago. And I never had the stuff that Brittany and I dream up. Never had that. And mm-hmm. I think every time we get to show up in front of a, in a, in a classroom, whether it's in person, in a virtual space, to connect with women, girls, anyone, period, to talk about these things, it just really just reminds 14-year-old me that things get better. There is going to be someone that you can ask because I am actively doing it for the next 14-year-old who you know will be in a position that I was once in. So I think that's what's most rewarding is knowing that like younger me is probably so proud. <laughs> Um, of what we're doing and what we're continuing to do. So just knowing that there's going to be, or there has been a young black girl that looked up in a workshop to me and Brittany and was like, I feel okay to ask what I'm about to ask because I think they're going to, you know, answer it and be cool. And it won't be a big deal. Like, because of the way we approach these things, like it's just something that we want to talk about. We're not going to hold things back. It's going to be friendly. It's going to be open. Um, that's You're askable adults. Yeah. Like we're askable, right? Like it's part of life. So like, let's just, let's try to answer it. Um, because we care about you. So I think that's what is the most um, beautiful part of this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, like, I think Kim and I, interesting about Kimberdiv is Kimberdiv grows as we grow. So it was like, young, young. And then like, even like, if you look at the website, oh, man. Limited two. Like, li- limited two. <laughs> and now, now I'm limited. Um, we, we really like, um, trans- you know, and like we transition and I think about like, um our current selves are like you know I think about like I don't know Cosmopolitan or whatever the magazines are and you have that little like insert where it talks about sex and like that's it and that's all you have and so like I think sometimes when we talk about sex education in particular people hear sex education and they hear young people like they hear kids they hear 
And I don't know if this happens. Like, you know, adults need sex ed too. We don't have it all figured out. Like, you know, it's sometimes it's like secret. Like it's like in the group chat or it's on Google in the middle of the night or mm. or it only occurs when there's a problem. You know, like desi- there's a problem, mm-hmm. right? But we like are kind of sneaky when we want to talk about desire and we don't really really want to talk about that. And so I think like, you know, as we grow, I think also like in Kimberton continues to bloom and we really think about even black women, right? Like where is the space where we can have these conversations? where we can like connect, where we can like, that makes me joyful. And I think even along the idea of wellness, I think, you know, we made a shift to think about wellness, not just like, it's not just like, you know, education or absence of disease. We're like, we want you to be well. And there's an entire industry of beauty. There's an entire industry of wellness. And then multi-billion dollar industries. Seriously, even financial wellness people are like, oh, be a financial feminist, get your coins up, girl, you know. But like, you know, the sex situation. It's like, like a, a drop in the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I think, you know, I feel so proud when I'm like, you know, we're on the map. Like we're gonna be one of the five we're gonna be on the list of five five people talking about black sexual wellness. I'm cool with that. You know, I think that feels good to be carving that space, to be making that space, to be um, and again, like I keep saying this, I'm putting in the universe like a physical space at some point in time. Like it's there's going to be a place you can go to, and it's like hi, we're at Kimberdive, um, because it feels very uh, necessary and 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 it's everywhere. You know, like it's in our music, it's in our magazines, it's in our culture, it's it's all these places, but then also nowhere at the same time. You know, so I'm like, why not put? Yeah, I went to school for this, and I think for the biggest thing is like. We all went to, like, you, you went to my school. We went to the same school. We went to the we same school. <laughs> yeah, we survived it. But it yeah. wasn't that cool, you know? It wasn't that cool. Yeah. <laughs> it it could have been cool. better. It could have been better. It could have been better. But, like, I, as I as I age, I think something about being in a house for two and a half years is, like, oh, this was I, this is what I was born to do. Mm. Like, this is why I suffered through that curriculum. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is why I got to the other side. Like, this is why I'm uniquely set up with this skill set to create sort of this space um, that does not exist, like to carve it into the universe um, mm-hmm. at, at every chance that we get. So that feels, you know, I wake up every day for that. Like now, like Kim said, we don't sleep. Like it's, it's, it's burning. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and you know, now it's, it's happening. It's ha- And honestly, I, I wish I had like a time machine to like go back to like, mm, maybe like 10, 15 years ago and ask the ver- those versions of Brittany and I, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I can tell you that the answer was going to be an OBGYN for both of us. Yeah. Like it really was. So to like see where we're at now of like, we're really trying to create like the first modern medical home for black women. Like that just goes to show like, we did not leave <laughs> the block at all. Like we have been literally on this path for so long and now but being so clear about what we want to do, just feels like ready, set, go. <laughs> like this is who you want to be. Yeah. Who you are right now and who you're consistently being yeah. and like evolving into is who you wanted to be. And yeah. like that is is really <laughs> fun to be to bear witness to that as, you know, your pal in the space and just yeah. to like be learning from one another and collaborating. And, you know, I I always love learning from you all and and know that this isn't our last collab by any means. Okay. There's always more in the future. So um, you know, as our last kind of bit before I let you go, wondering if you can share where our followers can find you and, you know, what what's like coming up next for you? Yeah. So yeah, Kim, you. <laughs> if you are not already following us on Instagram, please do so. Follow us at, at Kimberdiv and 
you didn't realize by now, like Kimberlyth is the combination of me and Britney's name. So, uh-huh. <laughs> ding ding. Um, <laughs> so at Kimberlyth, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter, Salt. It's a bi-monthly. It's wonderful. I love you. reading it. I love you that think- people give us that feedback because. It's, it's good. me and Brittany writing it, just so y'all know that. <laughs> it's so good, though. You all have to subscribe. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's a bi-monthly-ish newsletters that we, we send out to our subscribers. Where This is where we have a conversation about real-world issues, what's going on, and our take on it. We share resources, giveaways, things of that nature. So that's where you find information at most. Um, we're going to be doing a breathwork um, workshop and, and really trying to like um, integrate different uh, modalities of healing, um, into our work and so giving people sort of a look at what they will see when we actually launch the full platform um, but we're going to do a breath work and it's partially going to be like breathing into new year new space new intentions but also some you know letting go of some grief around like the last sort of year of dealing with a world without um, like full reproductive rights mm. instituted right so um, we have that coming up and we have wonderful practitioners that are going to hit the scene and we're going to we're looking forward to launching our, our platform this year, like really um, giving people um, a taste of what is to come um, and creating that space. And so, yeah, big things ahead. Yes. Ooh, I can't wait to keep yes. on watching and observing and consuming your content. Uh, I'm, again, big fans. Thank you both so much for being on. Uh, here's to the next thing that we do together, whatever that is. Yes, cheers. Yes, cheers. <laughs> Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Katherine Cohen. Our social media intern is Sarah Kelly. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at Sex Ed with DB Podcast and on TikTok at Sex Ed with DB. See you next time. <laughs>